We got ourselves an X-Men fan. Do you know what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning? We must know who they are, and above all, what they can do. I'm Professor Charles Xavier. I'm the Juggernaut! Hey everybody, welcome to Throwback to School, the podcast where we talk about stuff we liked in high school and whether it's good anymore or not. And that theme song is borrowed from our good pal, Robert Persinger. Hi, I'm Andrew, and with me is... Liza, are we not using music anymore? Did you not hear it? No, I heard it. Oh, okay. It, it was just not music. It was, I mean, it was a, like, I sliced up it's a uh it's a it's a theme song that robert came up with for the other for gentlemen overlords for like when we talk about x-men stuff (laughs) and i was thinking about it this morning i was like i could use the the cartoon theme song i could think of something but i also just love that little stinger that robert put together so yes uh, it's very good it's yeah and what a thrill and it includes the arguably the worst line in the movie which is do you know what happens to a toad what? when it's struck by lightning? Um, what do you mean it's the worst? <laughs> I, it's like when kids say something's bad, they mean it's good is what I meant by the worst. <laughs> it's sick. It's sick. It's like bad. It's sick bad, dude. <laughs> uh, so, yes, what we're talking about today is a movie. Oh, Liza, why don't you do this stuff? The stuff? Yeah. The, the stuff of the podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll do the stuff. Uh, the stuff is about X-Men. Um, we decided to watch the first one, uh-huh. the first movie, uh, which is just called X-Men. No semicolon, no number. It's just your basic old regular titled movie. Boring. Just... <laughs> no origins. Mm-mm. No last it stands, just... no first no classes. Last... No jumping into the futures or past. Nope. Uh, nope. It's just good old basic. Mm-hmm. It's your mama's X-Men. It's a real basic B X-Men movie. <laughs> uh, we chose this movie because it came out literally 20 years ago. Boom. Wow. That blew my mind. I mean, I know math, but still, I hadn't thought about how old this movie is until andrew brought it up as an option for his years in high school that's weird and i was constantly thinking about how old this movie is Ugh. (laughs) i was just thinking like when you said that i was like what is he doing x-men did not come out when he was in high school i was like mad for like a minute and then i was like okay let me look at imdb and it did come out in 2000. And I was like, oh, my God. How? How? Is that possible? <laughs> um, anyway, you're great. Thank you. <laughs> wow. That was so nice to hear. Did you see this in theaters? I did. I So I sort of I texted you when I originally wanted to do this. The first movie, I'm not I'm not going to lie. The first movie I I considered was Spider-Man because I do have a theater story about seeing Spider-Man in theaters. Ooh. I don't, I mean, I know I saw this movie in theaters, but I don't have like a distinct memory mm-hmm. about seeing it in theaters, but it is something I definitely saw in theaters and owned on DVD because yeah, as a like kid who grew up liking comic books, the idea that uh, there would be a movie 
about a comic book was like very thrilling to me, regardless of like, you know, varying quality of the movie, which this movie has its ups and downs for sure. But yeah, I saw it. Did you did you read X Men? I forget. You were mostly a Superman reader. No, I read I read a lot of X Men as a kid. I okay. have some of my older X Men comics um, in storage somewhere. But like, there. I mean, so my journey with comic books was like read them a lot as a kid, and then probably the same path as most people were like in high school. I was just like, ooh, comics are dumb. I'm not going to read them anymore. Sure, too and, cool for school. Yeah. But, like, still, you know, watched the movies and, like, you know, whatever superhero TV show came out, you know, I was still watching those, but just didn't read the comics anymore. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but, like, the time that I started reading comics again was on our honeymoon. <laughs> My wife and I, like... I think, yes, that sounds familiar. That you, like, came across, you, like, needed to grab something to read or something? Basically, like, we were given, like, one of our our wedding gifts was like somebody was just like here here's like uh you know an amount of money to go spend on your honeymoon and so we just had like walking around money and my wife was just like you know we got to our hotel and realized neither of us had brought any books with us and we were just like well we're you know probably going to be on the beach let's go get some books and we got to i think it was a barnes and noble and they had this like insane deal on graphic novels and um, it was just like, I hadn't read comics in so long, even though people had been like, here, read this one. It's really good. I'm like, huh, no, no, thank you. Uh, I'm not going to do that. I read real books now. Yeah, Sorry, I've graduated to real books. Um, and so I got a bunch of graphic novels on that trip. And then that just like opened the floodgates. And all of a sudden I was like, oh yeah, comics, I forgot. They're good. Like, it's not just mm-hmm. like a... You know, and especially not that there weren't good comic books when I was a kid. I just wasn't able to recognize them as being good. So I just sort of thought they were all kiddie stuff and not realizing that there were like real, like, you know, real stories and great writers and like, you know, really tough allegories written into comic books. And so I was just like not prepared. And then when I started reading comics, I was just like, oh, right, this is a very good, uh, a very good medium and that was I was off to the races from that point again, but yeah, and so, and so I that was sort of my journey with comics. Which do you remember which X Men series you were reading, either when you were a kid or later on? I mean they they had so there were so many like different. Uh, you yeah, know, I get confused. There was you know Uncanny X Men. There was like X Men Gold, X Men Black, X Men Red. You know, like there's a bunch of like Ooh. different they would split them off into different teams. And so as a kid, I know that for sure, like I, I read like the dark Phoenix saga and there was like different, like big events that you would kind of like come across that I would read. But for, I could not tell you like, did I read like a hundred issues of uncanny X-Men or, you know, whatever. But yeah, the only one I've, the only series I've ever read is more recent. Uh, and I think it was the now one, but I get confused between the now and the new X-Men. There's a, uh, so um, there's a bunch of like, I mean, especially comics today are so like, there's so much start and restarts of like, yeah. here's, you know, like, like with DC, 
they did like the new 52. And so like, that was like, here's the jumping on point because we're starting everything over from issue one. And Mm -hmm. so like, you don't need to have read a hundred years of Superman and Batman to understand. You can just jump on here. And like Marvel hasn't quite done the like, okay, disregard the 80 years of, you know, X-Men because this is the new starting on point. It's always like, here's a good jumping on point and we can catch you up with this other stuff. But like, you can you can start with this and you won't, sure, you know, won't yeah. be that big of a deal. Like if you if if you are lost about this like random little bit, just Google it. Right. Or like <laughs> we'll sell you, you know, the like compendium of like here's eighty years of of uh Spider Man like synced into thirty pages of, you know, this compendium or whatever. But mm-hmm. um yeah, there's a lot of I, I wish I could tell you probably what you read, but there's a bunch of like semin sem quote unquote seminal x-men stories that you may have read yeah um the movie is i read somewhere and you can tell me if i'm wrong but it's pretty much the first marvel adaptation for a movie movie is that correct it i mean i know that they did like tv stuff that right could be i mean as far as like, a I don't major... think Spider-Man had come out yet. No, Spider-Man, Spider-Man is... is one of the older ones. Yeah, too. Spider-Man's like 2002, so I think you're mm-hmm. right. It probably is the first like major motion picture because I know there was like a, there were some like very there bad... some TV, yeah, some TV releases. I think there was, I think there was like a Captain America movie with like Dolph Lundgren in it, but mm-hmm. I don't think it was like as prominent and major as the X-Men movie was. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember where I read that, uh, but I couldn't think of anything else that. And because then I was like, wait, but it can't be the first because DC had been doing like there's lot, you know, oh, lots of Batman tons. stuff and lots of Superman yeah. stuff like way before 2000. Um, but I couldn't think of anything that would have come out that was like as big as this one. Um, and it like, I don't know, it just kind of puts in perspective for me because the the fact that we're like now in 2020 and we've like consumed so much marvel yeah uh and that that it's like everywhere and i was trying to like think of it as like back then it was definitely like a nerd movie oh this was like a this was an event probably for you know like i mean i for me it was an event because i was just a like a nerdy kid and so like i wanted to see the characters I had grown up reading on screen. And so like, for me, that was an event, but I can imagine like the, the, the desire that people who were reading the comics had to see these characters on screen. This was probably a huge thing and either something that they were very excited about or very mad at is my guess. Oh yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, surprised. I um, did not see this in, theaters but i remember very clearly seeing it for the well like on knowing about it for the first time was uh it it was probably not the summer that it came out because the first time i've ever even heard of of this movie was it was playing on tv so i'm guessing like just on like cable Uh so i'm guessing it was at least a year later um and it was during the summer because it was uh i was here in the u.s and so if it was 2001, I was like 10 or something. Yeah. Um, and I remember very clearly, it's very like a vivid memory in my mind. Uh, 
of being uh, in my dad's house and like doing stuff in the house and then realizing that like my dad and John, past guest John Jolly, uh, was uh, watching TV and they had like just, John had picked something and I just kind of came in halfway through uh, and just was like glued to the TV. Like as soon as, like I just sat, I remember sitting on the ground and looking at the TV and being like, whoa, what is this movie? This looks so cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> whoa, Hunk Jackman. <laughs> and you know what? The scene, the first scene that I remember seeing, I was so confused by it. It's the scene where they, um, uh, Ian McKellen, Toad, so Magneto, Toad, and uh, Sabretooth. Sabretooth, yeah. Uh, kidnap rogue and at the train station and they come out and there's all the cop cars and all of the cops and Magneto is wearing his helmet thing and in my 10 year old brain I have no idea who Ian McKellen is I have no idea who uh, Patrick Stewart is and all I see is these like older white British sounding men Uh and in my head I that scene where, because then it like goes back and forth between the two of them, because uh, uh, Professor Xavier like f- kind of freezes everything, and they're like mind talking to each other. Uh huh. So there's a lot of like close up shots of just Patrick Stewart or just Magneto, and as a kid, I was like, I'm so confused. Why is he talking to himself out loud? <laughs> like I just kept. I was so con- I kept thinking for some reason that it was the same person or that they were twins or something. Uh-huh. Like I had no idea that they were two different. As a, yeah, as a ten year old, they probably don't look enough unlike each yeah. other, especially like because Xavier's in a car and mm-hmm. Magneto's in a helmet. And is bald. And like they're and like their there's face- something about like yeah, so like their faces are like partially obstructed on both sides, and they don't not look enough like each other for you to be like. Okay, those are two different older British white guys. <laughs> and and I remember just like staring at this scene and being like, well, this is cool, but also I'm really confused by what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And I remember like asking questions to John to try to like catch up and nobody likes that. Like <laughs> when you're watching something you like and you have this kid being like, but what about this? But why are they doing that? And why is he saying that? And who's this? Like, um, so all I remember is John looking at me and being like, oh, I think I said something like, what movie is this? What is this? And he was like, it's X-Men. Like, as if I should know. <laughs> Stupid. Shut up. <laughs> and then I just kind of like be quiet and was like, okay, I'm going to just watch this movie and try to understand what's going on. Um, mind you, I, it was like all in English and I was not bilingual yet. So that's part of the confusion there but um that's my first memory of x-men and since then after that i was like i love (laughs) (laughs) x-men i'm the biggest fan they had lol never read books uh about it or any of the stories until like i was an adult yeah um but x-men has always been my favorite superhero stuff that's cool how did you I mean, so not unique but uh i'm glad that you picked it that's all i'm saying i picked it just for you liza just i knew Aww. all that stuff about you i mean i did know this was your favorite 
comic book team. So yeah. I was like, yeah, I, I it's been a while since I've watched the original X-Men movie. It's streaming on Disney Plus. So like, it's you know, like I feel like it'd be a good thing to talk about. And also like mm-hmm. this is, you know, X-Men is one of the few superhero teams I feel like you have any true like like not allegiance to but like you like them so I thought like yeah I have opinions as opposed to like other right book heroes I'm like okay I don't really see the difference between Iron Man and Batman but don't tweet me at that well uh, okay (laughs) um mark that for edit and uh, (laughs) welcome back to throwing school um so X-Men came out in 2000 and it is directed by a, a monster Brian Singer and yeah. like the the one thing that's a real bummer about this movie one is I forgot Brian Singer was the director until it came up on the screen mm-hmm. and also uh, there's been some stuff about Ray Park who plays Toad that has come out in, the, in like the last month that is pretty troubling to hear so oh. I mean it's just like that is one of those things that it's hard to avoid and like I just forgot like I think if I had remembered that Brian Singer was the director I probably wouldn't have picked this movie mm. um but there he is. That name came up. I was just like, oh, boy. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. I mean, it, that's the thing with like us revisiting all these things is like, also, how many times have we probably like watched something that was produced by Weinstein, right? Right. Like, there's just like yeah. their paws on are all a lot of things that yes. people have consumed over the years. So, yes, I agree with you. It's a bummer. Um, but. Anyways, so the at least we're acknowledging that there's an issue with supporting men that are destructive yes, to others. Yes. So the movie is about this. It's a it's about a school of mutants. They we meet uh, Rogue first, or actually we meet Mag- young Magneto first. And arguably, I'm gonna say, I would. This is probably the best scene in any superhero movie, minus a few scenes in like the better. Marvel Cinematic Universe movies like the scene where young Eric is being ripped away from his parents in a concentration camp is a it's, it's an amazing scene it's great the it's rest of the phenomenal. movie the rest of the movie cannot live up to that scene it is the best mm-hmm. scene in the movie by far and not that the rest of the movie like there are bad scenes in the movie but like the rest of the movie itself is not terrible but compared to the first scene of the movie it's like wow this is gonna be really good and then the movie's fine um, but you know, so we meet young Eric and then we meet rogue who we find out can drain energy from people. She meets Logan that they kind of go on an adventure and then they meet up with the rest of the mutants at the Xavier school where we meet Cyclops, Jean Grey, professor Xavier storm and the rest. And so it's a movie about the government wants to have like a registration act for mutants and, uh, Magneto and his band of, of mutants don't want it to happen. Professor Xavier really doesn't want it to hap- happen either, but the, it's like a story of the two differing groups and how they're dealing with with that problem. So Xavier and Magneto have a long-standing relationship, as we learn through the movie, and they're differing uh, opinions and ways about going about how to deal with humans. And, yeah, and and the oppression of of ex people. Right. Um, um, so yeah, I the like I said, I think the opening scene is the best scene in the movie by far. 
I think it is such a great, I forgot how good that scene is. It's really powerful. Like, even though Magneto is ostensibly the villain of the movie, even though you could say that humanity is kind of (laughs) the villain of the movie, um, Magneto kind of being the, like, driving force of of the wrong side of of mutants um, is the villain. You kind of get, like, it it presents this story in in a way where you're just, like, you understand why he's so, like you know, you have Professor Xavier who's like, we can negotiate, we can be civil, and Magneto's like, no, fuck it. Like, you know, like, I don't care. Like, kill a bunch of people. And you see why, because he dealt with the worst of humanity at the very beginning of the movie when he's a child. And so he's, like, lived this entire life. And it sets up this great, like, I think it's the best storytelling they do in the movie, which is setting up this, like, plausible reason why Magneto's right. Like, you know, like he's going, yeah. you know, he's going about it the wrong way, but you see where he's coming from and why he would think I have mm-hmm. to do it like this. Yeah, I think that's what makes a like in general a movie where there's going to be like a goodie and a baddie or like, you know, evil versus uh, right or yeah. whatever, like good versus bad, which, you know, that's pretty much a lot of superhero stuff yeah uh i think the making the villain like interesting and relatable is the best thing you can do there are so many times that i that you watch things like even disney has done it right like i your your hero is only as good as if you're if you have a shitty bad guy or or evil person Mm -hmm. that they're fighting like there's no stakes and there's no interest if the villain is boring yeah um that's like one of my pet peeves or one of the times like every time that i've not liked either a disney or superhero movie is because the villain is shit um and I, i i agree with you that they the idea is that magneto is the quote unquote bad guy even though like the truly like disgusting evil character that they portray is the politician right yeah uh who's who's actively hating on a percentage of the population and actively making policies and changing people's minds about them and using his power to oppress those people which like watching this in 2020 is like interesting yes yes Uh, like it is so easy to draw parallels to like real life um, and I know like overall X-Men was originally and it still is a huge allegory for like people from the LGBTQ community or 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 just disenfranchised people mm-hmm. um, and but and so that's still true but then this to like current politics that are really like i don't know i i I had fun watching it again because of that where i was just like oh my gosh this is like a story that will probably forever be true sadly enough uh but because of like the history that has repeated itself and and i and i appreciated that they portrayed magneto as another you know it's like this is kind of a dramatic way to bring this to reality but like the people that are like that will talk about mlk jr a lot but then like diss on malcolm x like it's just like different you know the ideologies 
are overall pretty much the same is just the method and the and the reasons white people were doing what they, what they were doing are just almost just as valid they're just coming from different perspectives and and I do think that that's like the strongest thing that this movie is doing yeah and then uh, the and then unfortunately the movie falls apart in the last third of the movie it, it like it the the quality dip in this movie is so drastic and like the things that I think are the worst of like the worst scenes in this movie all happen in the last like 30 to 40 minutes and it's mm. unfortunate because like I think that like I was watching this movie and I know I have railed on this movie before there are scenes in it that I make fun of a lot and I'm watching the movie and I'm like you know what like this movie is better than I remember and then the last 40 minutes happen I'm like oh right that's why I think this movie is is kind of uh varying in quality but where do you think it starts dipping uh when they start going to Ellis Island like as soon as they get to the Statue of Liberty, I think the movie okay. is pretty corny and like the you know the scene where they're fighting Toad and the scene where Wolverine's fighting Mystique who is shaped to be Wolverine like it's all like all of a sudden characters are acting weird like the mm-hmm. the the scene where and I I referenced it cuz it's in the opening uh, stinger that we played at the beginning but the scene where Storm attacks Toad and she says do you know what happens to a toad that's struck by lightning? The same thing that happens to everything else is such yeah. a bad, horrible line. Like I, yeah, I forgot about that line. And I, when she said the first part, which like the question yeah. part, the rhetorical question, I, because there's a pause, I said, isn't it like everything? Yeah. I said that out loud. And then Brian looked at me like, you're kidding, right? Yeah, like, wait for the line. <laughs> And then she answers her own question with the most like boring comeback. Like it's, it's supposed so to be a comeback bad. and it's terrible and flat and useless. Um, and, and I was like, Oh, were they trying to be funny? I don't, I don't get the point of that. Do you know line. that that is a Joss Whedon written line. And it's like the, he, he worked. Really? Yeah. He worked on the script and a lot of his stuff got cut. That's the one thing that he wrote that got into the script, the final cut of the movie. Is well, that line one of the mistakes? Yeah, um, and then like the scene where like Magneto gets them all trapped in the in the Statue of Liberty, and then I don't like this line has always like just kind of bothered me. It's the scene where, or it's the line where uh, Cyclops is like, "For I am Storm," and he goes, "Lightning and a copper conductor." I thought you lived in a school, and it's just like, <laughs> did you th- like was the was it necessary for him to be that sassy about it? It was just like this like. Uh, like an otherwise stoic man is like, huh, I'm gonna fucking slap this little dumbass, and the you know like, <laughs> yeah, I I guess I never I didn't really pay attention to the different like you said that there's a pretty big difference between the kind of the, the first half of the movie and the second half, but you're right, the second half does have like a lot. It it turns into a stereotypical comic book movie yes. to me, where the- it's like all action and quippy like remarks in between two punches but it's like not even not funny enough to like break apart break the like tension like avengers does that where like in between fights they'll like make fun of each other's butts or something i don't know but like you know like but it 
it, so it's like they're trying to do that but it's not working it's also the, like the, the quips are not quippy enough to be funny so it's just really cheesy it's also like the motivations behind the characters like the the I I so wish there wasn't this like machine that Magneto's building that's going to like turn people into mutants and it like like what about Magneto's powers require him for the machine like his power specifically and then the fact that like he's like well I'll just here's what my plan is here's this mutant that can take my powers I'll give my powers to her so she dies like it it goes against the core of his character which is protect mutants and like like the it feels like the character of magneto would would be willing to sacrifice himself to then become a martyr to inspire mutants but instead he's like i'll just kill i'll just kill this other mutant to like make sure that a bunch of humans die or a bunch of humans get mutant powers or whatever like it it doesn't feel true to Magneto's character even in the movie. Like, if you uh, ignore what you know about Magneto from comics, even the character he's portraying on screen, it seems to b- b- uh, betray that. And then the fact that there's just, like, this machine that can, like... Yeah, like, nobody explains any sort of, like, why it works or how it works. It's just like, oh, he created a machine that can turn people into mutants, but it requires his abilities to, to function. It's just, like... Yeah, I, I I was thinking about that, and I think because yeah, when they first introduced the machine, when he tur- he uses it on the politician, I was really perplexed. I was like, wait, what is the machine doing, and how did they find that out? Was has he been working really hard for like years at like changing physics and biology? Like, right. since when does his power would like? his power is only like metal related mineral related so like how would he change anything organic like i don't know i was like couldn't suspend my disbelief enough and part of me thinks it's because they kind of start with the movie with a lot of like quote-unquote science talk like to try to you know the whole beginning sequence that turns into uh gray uh what's her name jean gray jean gray's like speech to to the senate or whatever the fuck it's right. supposed to be um where they're like it's been thousands of millennia and like they show all these like dna strands and like i think they're it's like they're st- trying to say like oh there's like plausible science behind this story so you're kind of like the first part you're kind of have this scaffolding of like yeah this this is I can suspend my disbelief enough to think that maybe in thousands of years people would create a like develop abilities but then like then they introduce this crazy looking machine that only Magneto would be able to or Magneto's abilities would be able to function like it's just like too much like it's crossing a line somehow that makes it like then all the people that were already judging comic book stories are like, okay, cartoon much? Like, you know, it's just like too far. Um, And it, uh, yeah, it's, it almost doesn't make any sense. Although I did like similar to what we were saying earlier, where like they portray this Magneto character as like, is he really the villain? Because you kind of under, you like empathize with him and his story and where he's coming from. Yeah. And so I, I did think like the logic of his logic of turning non-mutated people into mutants to end oppression, like that logic technically like makes sense. Like I can follow that. 
but then when you think about it and you're like wait but that means like that's basically the same as like evangelizing the world or like assimilation right. and then you're like uh, there's a problem with that like <laughs> like changing whole populations into this one thing is a problem like it's you a, should want it's diversity mut- it's, it's mutant gentrification right exactly <laughs> um so yeah i think there's the machine is a little too far i i will be honest i don't feel bad about rogue dying i do think she's the worst part of this oh, movie she's so, the anna paquin is so annoying in this movie i had forgotten how annoying she is it's and- like this like leftover from the 90s of this like angst of poor me attitude that i do not care for every time we watch a movie with like teenagers like that i'm just like oh get over yourself i like i absolutely see what the purpose of her being in the movie was which is she is she's the kids watching the movie she's like Mm -hmm. the she is the like whereas if you're a kid watching like spider-man you can kind of see yourself in peter parker there's like no character that like kids see themselves in other than Rogue because she's young, right? So they probably threw in a kid character to be like, well, when the kids go see the movie, they want to be able to like, what character would I be in the movie? And like Rogue is kind of the younger person versus like- Naive one, yeah. And like, you know, I'm sure a lot of kids when they see the movie, they're like, oh, I want to be Wolverine or, you know, I'm Storm or whatever. And like, there's nobody who's like, I just want to be the person who takes other mutants powers. <laughs> but like, she is sort of like the, she's the, like the on screen. I'm rogue, you know, like I'm the kid in this movie. I see the situations that she's in sort of. Yeah. Thing. She's very, she's extremely I, annoying. Yeah. I, I also think like there's a, the, the bond that they create between her and Wolverine. Cause like, Wolverine's purpose in this particular movie is perfect for folks that don't know anything about X-Men. Like they're the me in this like I'm the Wolverine in the situation where I'm I've just been minding my own business this whole time and now I'm finding out there's a whole like web connected of things and there's this school and other people also have powers and there's a community that I could perhaps be a part of like uh after being a lone wolf for such a long time. And she, and she's the like, kind of like the the buffer or the catalyst into him like softening yeah. his like tough shell that he's had to create for himself. So I see her purpose there to like, you know, he's he's been forced to bond with this kid, and and that kind of like softens him into like adopting these other people into his life, but. Beyond that, I'm just like, she is so fucking annoying. Yeah. Like, can she can she stop being in the movies? <laughs> like <laughs> and I forget, does she, she still she still shows up in the second one, doesn't she? She's, like here and there. She is in the second one. I don't remember if she's in the third one very much, if at all. And then mm-hmm. she um br- she God, it's so weird. There's a director's cut of days of future past where she they cut like they filmed an entire thing for her in the movie and then they cut it out and so like she just isn't in the like theatrical cut of days of future past but then they do a there's a director's cut on the on the blu-ray where she 
is in the movie. Is it when they go back to see they see Wolverine at the bar? No. So in the in Days of Future Past, the so in the movie, in the theatrical version, it's it's Ellen Page as Kitty Pride is the one who's like sort of phasing Wolverine into in, the past mm-hmm. or into the yeah, into the past. And in the director's cut, um, because she gets stabbed, um, they go to get Rogue. She's like in the X she's like being held prisoner in the X Mansion by Sentinels. And so oh. there's like a whole side thing where like Bobby goes to get Rogue with Magneto, maybe? Huh. And then like they bring Oh, and her, then they use her power. They to, bring her back to, to relieve Kitty Pride, who's now like suffering from a stab wound, uh, because she's not she can't finish the job, so they bring in Rogue to do it, but then they decide they didn't want to do that for the movie. So Wow, that's a whole I that's crazy. That's a whole plot line. Yeah, and like they filmed it <laughs> and edited it and it like the the footage exists, so it's like they just decided, nope, not gonna do it. We Sorry. don't need it. Wow, that's a lot of work. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Um yeah, well, I think the I'm kinda glad I never really liked her. I me neither. But the unfortunately, yeah, the also I'd say the the dip in quality of the movie coincides with Patrick Stewart not being in the movie because like he puts on Cerebro and then he gets knocked out of action and then he's not in the last like 30 to 40 minutes of the movie except the you know the the coda at the end of the movie where they sort of like wrap everything up right he's he's like the 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 dad holding the like smartness of the movie yeah and he's (laughs) I will say this Patrick Stewart perfect Charles Xavier oh yeah I would Okay. Oh, that's interesting you're saying that because yes, I agree. I couldn't, it's hard for me to think of anybody else that would play him, although we have had another person play him by now. And when we start the movie and they're, um, Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart are talking to each other and we all know that in real life, they're like the biggest pals. So it's kind of sweet to watch this movie again for that reason. Um, because they also play old pals in X-Men, um, like they have a very complicated relationship, right? Um, but then I was thinking, like, okay, so Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart look the same twenty years ago as they do now. <laughs> These that people do not age. That is true. <laughs> and we're supposed to believe that they looked like Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy oh, fifteen years before that. <laughs> we don't need to. We don't need to talk about the continuity of the new X Men movies and their insistence on every movie being a new decade, which makes no fucking sense whatsoever. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> okay, we can skip. But I was just like, they are pulling our all of our legs, all of our limbs. They're just like that is. They, it's, that they is, think our disbelief can be forever hung, like. That is such bullshit insanity that they like the idea that they decided that first class will take place in the 60s and then just every movie will be a new decade was so stupid. I can't fathom like Apocalypse will be in the 80s and it's like these fuckers have not aged 20 years. You can't like Dark Phoenix was supposed to be in the 90s. And yeah, you're right. Like within less than a decade, Fastbender and McAvoy are going to become... 
McKellen and Stewart. Like, fuck off. Yeah, I There's... mean, if you look at like they made so the the, the movie I watched today was released in two thousand, and now we're in twenty twenty. If they were to come out with another X Men movie with Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart, they would look the same as twenty years ago. Yeah. But so could it have made for, for uh, all the other ones that are like before the two thousand with them in it and just like put on makeup to make it sort of look like they're slightly younger i would have bought that but like yeah they've been looking the same for 60 years i don't, I don't give a fuck yeah <laughs> like, I, I, I bought into that more the one thing i will say is that james mcavoy and michael fassbender are both extremely hot guys so i'm not like yeah. complaining but it was just such a wackadoo idea to have yeah. them be oh they'll just be the same through like These two characters have now aged in the course of the movies at least 30 years and they don't look like, and you know, it's the same thing with Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart that like they haven't aged that much in 20 years because they both kind of have looked like they were both 70 since they were probably like 30. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Not like, you know, they just both have had like, they like Patrick Stewart like watch Patrick Stewart from like Star Trek the next generation yeah like he lost his hair early and so he's kind of like this has had the same look yeah like he hasn't really changed they're both like extremely handsome good-looking men but they both just look like they were probably like early like when they were in their 30s they looked like they were 50 yeah and I mean yeah and I I like Michael Fassbender like I think he's a tremendous actor I just it and he's fucking very hot. He's very handsome. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know. It's it's a little silly, I guess, is the best adjective it's, I can find. Uh, yeah, it's a silly decision. It was very <laughs> silly. Um, so, but yeah. then Hugh Jackman is, I mean, he seals the deal. Like He's a great Wolverine. He's great. Like, I am so glad we got him for as long as we could. And I'm glad that he's ready to retire. He should be able to walk away yeah from something he's done for that long especially because i mean i am my you i've ranted about this before so i apologize if it came out on the podcast already but like if you look at hugh jackman as wolverine in 2000 and then you look at him again whatever the most recent one was not logan because he looks very different in that but like a regular x-men type movie that was made more recently the 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 disgusting muscly beefiness that is recent is like vomiting like the veins popping out it it grosses me out it's so weird and when you look at him in the 2001 it he looks beefy he looks very tough very like nobody would want to fuck with him but he looks normal like there's he looks like someone that has worked out a lot but not like is crazy looking there's a scene in the wolverine the one where he goes to japan for her you uh-huh. know a spell um there's a scene where he's chopping wood either without a shirt on or with a just a <laughs> uh, tank top on and you're in right in the snow like, probably and the scene it's just like the the veins are popping out of his arms his muscles are huge and like somebody in the theater i saw it in the theater and somebody in the theater exclaimed Oh my god! Like he was, <laughs> it was just like he was so ridiculously muscly. In yeah, that scene. it's scary. Like it's just like, did you just pump him with steroids? Like it's just it's inhumane. Like it just feels like poor animal. Like what are you doing to him? Yeah. Like it it feels very like not 
self-inflicted and I, I don't know it grosses me out a lot and so seeing him as like the original look that was like more appropriate in 2000 that was sure like it's it's not not being like a crazy idealistic man's body but it's not like ill looking right either yeah it's still like plausible and normal looking and he has like regular chest hair but no like 18 pack it's just like a fit person anyway i can move on but it's also it's hard to know that about him and like like know how like nice and sweet he seems to be as a person in real life like not that any person should have to go through like the tortures of like having to be so ripped for a movie and like have to Mm -hmm. go through that but knowing how like cute he is and like have you seen the video of him on the red carpet and he's like he recognizes one of the interviewers as like a student he used to have because he used to be like a gym teacher in australia oh i re- I, I might have seen it it sounds familiar it's very yeah, cute he's like he's, a genuinely nice person yeah he's just like he sees this person and he's like you know i know who you are right and the guy's like <laughs> i can't believe this and he's just like you were you were a student of mine he like pulls him in front of the camera and he's like so how's how's uh how's your fitness going and he's just like not very good he's like okay well we're gonna have to talk it's just like <laughs> He's he's just yes. like, he just seems like a very cute guy, and so having to knowing he probably had to like like train like a madman just mm-hmm. to like have that scene of like look at these arms, you know. Wolverine. I'm chopping wood right now. Yeah. Like what is that necessary for us to understand that he's a tough person? Yeah. No. Also, he is a dog in X Men. Like his comments to Jean Grey oh. are like the way he comes on to her. I was like. Mr. Wolverine, yeah, what's happening? Let her be, sir. <laughs> uh, it was, I don't know. I guess it's only funny because Hugh Jackman has made a, a good image of himself. Yeah. Um, although, okay, watching this movie now, 20 years later, the women characters, like, I hate Rogue. Probably one of the reasons is because she's a shitly written character. Like, I don't know that Anna Paquin is a great actress. Like, I have no idea because I haven't really seen that much of her. Uh-huh. But the writing of that character is shit. And that is why I don't like that character. And then all the other female characters, like Jean Grey is very weird in this movie, knowing what is to come. You know, like... Yeah. The fact that she's going to, by second and then by the third one, she's this, like, huge event. Yeah. And and that's all you remember of the movies is, like, Jean Grey is the phoenix. Like, she's just intense and, 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 like, kills a bunch of people. But, like, in this one, it's, like, she's so subdued that I'm, like, what is the point of her in the movie? She's an object that's, for Wolverine and Cyclops to fight over. Right. Right? Like, that's all. She yeah. doesn't really say much. And don't get, and don't get me started about the storm. She does not have a speaking word until minute 46. Like, yeah. I counted. I was like, has she said anything? And I couldn't think of anything. And then all her lines are shit, like the toad thing. And and Mistake then they have too. Halle Berry do, like, a weird accent. Yeah. That I don't know about that. Yeah. Mystique is also underserved and just like a yeah. like a prop to look at in the movie. And I think that's part of why I really liked 
Jennifer Lawrence in Mystique is yeah. by then they actually had like a consistent character built for her and they didn't do that with that the earlier series yeah. where Mystique is just this toy that Magneto plays with until it's like too late and she dies yeah. like it and and so and they gave like Days and Future Past like she's a huge piece of Days and Future Past and that's why I like that movie a lot it's like you get a lot more psychology around Mystique and a lot more like interesting like character development yeah um and I I I mean I think that the women not being important or being very poorly used in X-Men and that those first three movies, but definitely this one is totally a product of 2000. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, it's a movie written by two men. So it's, I mean like it's, yeah. Which one of them is, Brian I mean, singer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who uses people for yeah. <laughs> for living. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I got to take it with a grain of salt, but still, it was, it's just really hard to not see now. It's like the first thing I catch. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Out of five of Wolverine's extended claws, he kept one claw in. Um, out of five of his adamantium extended claws, what would you give X-Men from the year 2000? This might be controversial, Ugh. but uh, we don't I do give that it a here. four claw out of five. Four out of five. Wowie. Yeah, I had a lot of fun watching it again. This, this, the, the scenes that are ridiculous and over the top, and the 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 quotes that are over the top are still like, I don't know. I laughed a lot at that. Like I was able to like be entertained, um, and. And that it's not a five because of obvious reasons, and it's not a five because of not being able to use women for yeah. their worth. Um, but I would I would watch Hugh Jackman like Logan on Logan action was really fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and yeah, and it, it made me want to watch the rest of the movies, which I think why it has a higher rating than maybe sure anticipated sure what about you i think i'd give it probably two claws wow out of five oh. it's just like so two middle claws two middle claws he's he's given cyclops the double bird with his claws um <laughs> i will say i think that exchange is the lone part in the like in the ellis island scene that's very fun and true to those characters like Wolverine walks through a, a metal detector and it goes off and then he like slices through it and Cyclops is like, what the fuck? And then he gives him the middle finger with the claws and he's just like, all right, you got me. I, I do like when they, when they try to, when they're like, cause they just realized that there's two Wolverines and then, and then they got, uh, Logan did get rid of the other one yeah. and then the, he comes out of the this closet or whatever the fuck he was. Yeah. And, and they're like, they're like ready to pounce on him. He's like, no, 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 it's really me. It's one of those like classic scenes of like, is it really you? Because we just saw yeah. a double, a double ganger of you. And they're like, prove it. And he's like, you're a dick. Yeah. I laughed my ass off. I was like, the, those were the times where you could release a, ki a quote unquote kids movie and someone just called another person a dick. Yeah. <laughs> and like Cyclops' reaction is just like, yeah, it's him. Okay, I just, fair. Yeah, yeah, that was, I thought that was pretty fun. Um, yeah, I think there's a there's enough 
good in the I'll, mm, two and a half claws. I'll give it two and a half claws. I think Ooh. there's enough good things in it, but there is a lot that's just like very corny. I forgot to mention the scene where Wolverine gets tossed, almost gets tossed off the Statue of Liberty by Sabretooth, and he saves himself by using his the adamantium claws that can slice through anything somehow gain traction on concrete where he can like flip around yeah i didn't get that and i remember not getting it the physics of that is insanity it's so bad is is it a magnet they almost make it look like there's a magnet it's so like it's so what's happening but uh, if i think if the third act of this movie had landed a little better i'd say it could have been a much better movie but yeah, I two and a half claws, I'd say, is the best. All I can right, do. that's fair. Um, Liza, you said you have a surprise prize. Are I you do. ready for it? Let's hear it, okay. Fernando. Let's hear it, Fernando. I forgot to load Spotify, so we're gonna have to use <gasps> a YouTube video. Ooh. If only Spotify were to uh, sponsor us, I know we could have we could have better. Uh, prepared ourselves. Hey, right? by the way, our podcast is on Spotify now. <laughs> Woo! Can you hear the drums, Fernando? Um, this I- week's surprise prize, Fernando, is. Some serious business. Oh, wowie. Serious biz. You did text me when we were planning this episode, and you're just like, I have a surprise prize. So it was like, whoa. Three days in advance. That's this how you know serious how serious biz. it is that I didn't just like pull it out of my ass 20 minutes before the record. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I want to talk about voting. Oh, here we go. And I know Andrew is a big fan of voting. I so. am. <laughs> no controversy there. That is not, that is not, uh, we're not being facetious. I am a big proponent of voting. Yes. Um, I am too. I, I would like to talk about voting and I want to give a couple tips and then um, very specific ways that people can figure out how to vote in their state. And I picked the top four states that I know we have listen- listeners to. Great. And I, if your state is not listed, you can look it up online, but you can also wait for the other episodes. I will bring this surprise prize later on Whoa. again for more states. No surprise there, I guess. Okay. We're, so. really, uh, we're really eating Pod Save America's lunch here. yep i know what that means (laughs) (laughs) um so in terms of voting i think there's a lot of um misconceptions and very uh pessimistic thoughts around voting and i get them like i all the time think that there is no thing that me as a person can change like systemic and huge world things and when I think about that I think about all the people at least in the U.S. that are not able to vote and I'm privileged enough although I am an immigrant that I can vote and I I am over 18 so I can vote so I will 
So I'd like to invite everybody to think like that and to think that every time you're thinking my vote does not count, you need to think about all the brown and black lives that have been um, sentenced disproportionately to white people that cannot vote. You need to think about all the immigrants that build our economy and pay taxes and are still not able to vote. And you need to th think about all the LGBTQ minors out there that have been forced to live on the streets and cannot vote. So that's my bit. Please take it. Do not leave it. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I do a quick voting rant also? Yes. Uh, I similarly understand where people feel frustrated about elected officials and the fact that they're they do not feel represented in the you know let's let's just say in the uh in the nominations for president that people feel like they don't have a person who fully 100% represents them and that's fair and I understand that frustration I I totally understand that however to to give up on voting because you don't feel 100% represented is giving up in a way that like is like yes you will not feel represented you probably won't feel 100% even if you vote i understand this is very demoralizing but if you were to vote in every single election from here until eternity you may never feel 100% represented but if you feel like you want better representation in your politics especially in your local politics you're not going to get there by not voting you can get there closer by trying to elect the officials that you feel like better represent your stances. So is the person we have running for against the current sitting president, is he the perfect candidate? No, he's not. Is he the ideal candidate? No, he's not. But he gets us closer than the other guy. So mm -hmm. I understand it's incremental. I understand that it's small. I understand that the record of, of, of I'm just, we'll just fucking say it. The record of Joe Biden is pretty checkered at best, mm -hmm. but he's closer to what we want than Donald Trump. I understand that that a lot of people have a hard time with good enough, mm -hmm. but that's how things work. And if you want it, if you want things to be better, sometimes you have to start with good enough and you have to work on it. It yes. voting is not a race. You don't finish, like, if if you elect the official that you want, you're not done. Like, you don't get to, like, say, well, I voted for this person, so I guess I'm done voting for the rest of my life. This is something you continue to do for the rest of your life. You continue to vote and support people that represent the platform that you want. And so Thank you. sometimes it's not going to go the way you want, but it's up to you to continue to use your voice and your platform and your voting right to try and make things better for, if not yourself, for other people. Yes, thank you. I agree. Um, this year is going to be the toughest year to vote. The actual process of voting is going to be the hardest it's ever been Correct. for a lot of people. If you live in Washington, all you need to do is register online. Yep. It is the easiest state to vote in. All you need to do, you're already on your laptop or on your phone right now listening to this podcast. Pause the podcast. Look it up. <laughs> it's so easy. All you need to, to do is register online by October 26. I would encourage you to do it today. Why, why wait? Why have you hang over your head when it's an easy step to do? 
every once everyone is registered, everybody gets a in-mail ba ballot. You do it at home. You can do it at two o'clock in the morning or at noon. All of us are at home a lot right now. Mm -hmm. There is literally no reason for you to not vote in Washington if you can. And then you just put it in the mail. Do it early. Our USPS are also being attacked. What? We or, needed another thing this year? The great thing that we have in Washington is ballot drop-off boxes because yep. everybody in Washington is able to do mail-in voting or absentee voting, which is the same thing. We yep. have ballot drop-off boxes. If you live in Seattle, they're all over the city. You probably have one within two miles of your house. Um, if you have a library, it's most likely next to it. Yes. And it's the same across the state. You have ballot drop-off boxes everywhere, so you don't even have to rely on the mail mm -hmm. to do it. You have there is you can leave it in your mailbox. You can have the USPS deal with it, even though they're under attack. Or you have ballot drop-off boxes as well. Yep. If you live in Georgia. Hi, Georgia. Hi, Georgia. Uh, it is not the easiest place to vote. Uh, you need to request your mail-in ballot. It will now be automatically sent to your home. So you need to register to vote online. You can do that at reg registertovote.sos.ga.gov or Google it. And once you know you're, you are registered, you can request a mail-in ballot to be shipped to your home by October 30th. Yet again, I would recommend to do it today. You just fill out a form and request for a absentee ballot. Like Andrew said, this pretty much the same thing as a mail-in ballot. If you live in California, what up, Callie? What up? Surf's up, you... dudes. <laughs> Hang loose. Now they're listening. Oh, no way. That's Hawaii. Don't listen to what I'm saying <laughs> when I don't know anything. But listen to me when I'm talking about voting. Um you can uh, also vote by mail. If you're registered to vote, then it's also you've got to make sure that you're registered to vote in California and then they will mail you a ballot at home. And that's before October 27th. New York, New York, it's fucking tough. It is. I I got a headache just looking it up and I don't even hey, have to vote in New York. I'm voting here. Yeah. You are. I'm voting here and then I'm going to go get myself a slice of New York pizza. Hey. That's right. That will be your uh, treat yourself after you've done this hard part where you New Yorkers, New York State living people do that way. There are multiple steps for you to be able to vote by mail. The only reason why I'm pushing vote by mail is because we all know right now there's going to be a lot of Poll places are going to be closing. Mm -hmm. They have closed a lot of polling places in very strategic sp spaces. Therefore, voting by, by mail is going to be your easiest and more secure way to do it. Yeah. Um, you'll want to, um, you have to have a reason to request an absentee ballot in New York State, which is kind of fucked up, especially right now with COVID. And the only way for you to do that is either download a form, write it with your little pen, print it, write it, and then mail it to your local government office. And you can do that both in English and Spanish, or you can wait until they create a portal for you to request it 
but I would not wait for that. Oh, yeah. I, Do not. I would find you go to you ask your neighbors, ask your friends. If you don't have access to a printer, ask your boss, you print that form, you ask for that absentee ballot. One of the reasons is to care for someone that's sick or because you are, you are susceptible to being sick yourself. There are a lot of high risk people out there. Do that for yourself. Do that for the people around you. Um, and don't wait. The deadline is technically October 27th yeah, as well. That is great advice. Do not wait for some uh, government group to get their act together for that to work. Do it your fucking self because if you're waiting mm-hmm. around for some other bureaucrat to get that enacted for you, you're going to be waiting probably too late. So whatever you can yes. do, do it yourself. <laughs> yes, I agree. Anyway, I'll stop screaming no, about I, voting. Liza, that was a terrific surprise prize and a, a great like i i didn't know that was coming and i am very happy that you did that <gasps> it worked surprise i was that was a prize in which i was surprised <laughs> um well liza uh that is the end of the episode you know the usual plugs patreon.com slash studio and twitter.com slash tbt school instagram throwback to school facebook throwback to school and get out there and vote your butts off. And we'll see you tomorrow. That's right. See you tomorrow, voters. Bye-bye.